Welcome to Defining Endurance, a podcast focused on providing actionable insights for endurance athletes. Whether you're an athlete just getting started in endurance sports or a veteran looking to gain an edge, the Defining Endurance podcast is here to ask curious questions with athletes and fitness professionals, and most importantly, dive deep on current training topics so you can become the best version of yourself. Let us wait no longer. Let's dive into this week's episode. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Defining Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Simmons, head running coach at Lifelong Endurance, and I thought I'd bring you guys a special episode today. I'm at home. I don't have a guest with me today, and I figured, you know what? Let's talk training. Let's let's get down to some of the nitty-gritty things. Let's talk about some of the things that might be a pet peeve of mine as a coach. Let's dive into one of the areas that I can talk you guys to death about. I won't, but I could. And today we're going to talk about base training. And before you turn this off and fast forward and move ahead, let's let's talk about real world training. Let's not talk about something that's going to apply to pros uh, and someone that isn't you. I'm talking to you, the athlete, about why you need to slow down. It's the number one thing that I struggle with as a coach. Not struggle with in terms of how do I program it. It's getting you guys to understand why it's important. Why is it important to slow down? Why is it important to run in zone two at an endurance pace the majority of the time? Well, in short, it comes back to recovery. But we're going to dive in today, and we're going to not take the lab-based approach. We're going to talk a little bit about getting a test, but the reality is we're going to dive in and talk about how does this actually look, how does this actually feel, and how do we determine whether we're getting success with this or not. So let's talk about base training today. All right, guys, if you haven't heard before, base training is everything, especially when you're early on in a training cycle. Uh, I know it can be difficult to go out and run these slow miles because it feels monotonous. It feels like you're doing nothing. Uh, You know, base pace is traditionally considered a conversational pace. Um, You know, if you're training for a relatively long race, this can be a lot of time. This can be two hours, three hours, four hours uh, on, on any given weekend. And, uh, you know, that's that can be a lot to manage, um, you know, and, and this can be, you know, a really, um, you know, kind of frustrating thing because it feels like you're doing nothing for a while. Um, and I, I found that athletes get stuck here because they want to do the fun stuff. Um, and so what they end up doing is that they go, well, if one workout a week is good, two workouts a week is week is great. Why don't we just go hard every day, right? And and you know some days I can go really really hard, and some days I can go kind of hard. And it's these gradations of hard that end up socking people into this zone three. Um, and and we'll talk about this in terms of a five zone model. So smack dab in the middle there, three. What does three get you? Well. Three gets you kind of hard, kind of often, uh, but it doesn't really move the needle because you don't have what's called a disparity in your training. And what I mean by that is if we have you know, top end work, your zone four, zone five, um, you know, your, your anaerobic, um, you know, heavy breathing, high lactate, you know, using glycogen as fuel type work, then you need to also balance that because that's unsustainable for a long amount of time, right? You build up an acidic environment. You know, those energy systems take a while to rebuild uh, and replenish. Um, 
you know, so you have to balance that with some zone two work. Um, and the reason people go out and do zone three is that they can moderately recover and feel like they've done hard work, right? The, the psychological responses, oh, this feels hard. Um, I'm getting, you know, a good response. I'm getting out of this what I want. But come race day, there's no there there. There's no gas pedal. There's no disparity. So what are we trying to do is really give you guys a gap. You have to build the gap between your zone two, which is that easy running base pace. Um, and we're just going to use this as, as an example today that your base pace is eight minutes per mile at 135 beats per minute. So I wanted to talk through kind of some basic terms and kind of some basic terminology because uh, I'm going to use them and refer to them. You know, your aerobic threshold um, is, you know, what I want you to think here is relatively low effort, uh, light breathing. Um, and this is definitely an effort that you feel like you could maintain for a few hours. Now, if you're a newer runner, a few hours might seem like an eternity. But the reality is, is about... 60% of your aerobic capacity. So this means it's something that you could go out and do for a long time. You know, if you're a brand new runner and you're just training for your first 5K, think about a pace that if you had to go out and run for an hour, what would that be? That's this pace. Um, you know, we're talking about 70% of your maximum heart rate. Now, most of you guys don't know your, your max heart rate, but what you can probably figure out is about 80% of your threshold right? An eight out of 10, um, you know, probably seems kind of hard. So the reality is, is that 80% of your, your threshold here or your aerobic threshold is going to feel more like a three, four, maybe a five. Um, you know, it's, it's something that you can go out and do and you can talk. I always tell my athletes that, you know, if you're wearing your AirPods and grandma calls, you can run and talk to grandma that's easy pace. It's about holding a conversation. It's not about having a breath and breaking up sentences. It's not that choppy breath. Um, if you've had a chance to go out and get your, you know, uh, lactate threshold tested, uh, or if not, you know, take your, your 5k best, um, and look at your heart rate. If it's 175 or 180, subtract 30 beats from that. And so the reality is, is that most of our training falls between about 30 beats per minute, which is a pretty slim margin. But the reality is, is that 135 to 140 up to about 165, 170, maybe even into the, the low 180s, that's, that's most of your training space. Uh, the, the 140s is what we'd consider that easy endurance base pace. And then on up to the 160s, 170s, 180s, depending on what you're training for, that's where you're going to spend your time in one or two workouts a week. Um, what's really happening here from a physiological perspective, uh, and one thing we need to consider before we move on to anaerobic threshold, is fuel, right? And I'm not going to get into diets and dietary things, but the reality is, is that when you're running at 130, 140 beats per minute, you're primarily using what's called free fatty acid. And as you guys know, um, you know, you have enough free fatty acid in your body to run for an extended period of time. You, know, you can run for, you know, I can't remember the number of calories it is. It's in, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a really big number. It's not just being able to go out and run for two or three hours. Um, but, you know, you have to teach your body how to tap into that after a certain point. That's why we have to fuel 
with you know carbohydrates because our body converts these things into glycogen so i want you guys to think about free fatty acid as kind of the the diesel fuel you know um and glycogen is more like rocket fuel uh and by majority right diesel slow rocket fast um and when you're running at you know an aerobic pace that that eight minute pace at 135 beats per minute think of the sliding scale of things between diesel fuel and rocket fuel it's pegged all the way at zero for for diesel right it's all free fatty acid when we start to talk about your anaerobic threshold now we're talking rocket fuel and so what we want to try to do is optimize our ability to use fuel when we train so think about this if you're in zone three where's that put you on the scale smack dab in the middle right so you're getting a mixture and sending your body this odd mixture of kind of free fatty acid kind of glycogen and so you're you know slowly depleting your glycogen stores uh you know over a given week uh where do you think that ends you up when it comes to the long run right you're going in unrecovered into a long run with partially depleted glycogen stores um because you haven't taught your body that when you go out for an easy day you're not using as much glycogen. You're not breaking it down. You're able to refuel it. So this really also comes down to both having the energy, having the fuel on board to be able to get to your long run so it's successful, right? As I said earlier, it's about lining yourself up for success, all right? So let's move from the aerobic threshold, our diesel-free fatty acid area, up to anaerobic threshold. So we're talking about hard workouts we're talking about intervals we're talking about um you know 400 600 800 meter repeats with rest um, and the rest part of this is really important um you know if you're going to go out and do uh, a lab test you know this is usually your anaerobic threshold is usually determined by a gas analysis ramp test or you know checking to see um you know we're monitoring the output of what your body's producing because here's the thing we're basically you know flesh cars i'm kidding but the reality is is that we break down fuel and push it out of our bodies as co2 just like cars um right as we talked about fuel um that's that's what we're doing we're burning up fuel that's why we have to eat and refuel um so when we talk about oxygen exchange here um and co2 um Basically, what we're looking at here is that at, at a low intensity, intensity right, we're, we're mostly burning fat. And as the test increases or as you run faster, um, you know, we're gradually increasing the use of glycogen, right? And this is the, the storage form of carbohydrates in our body. Um, you know, we're using more and more of that. And this is why that zone three becomes a problem because we're kind of chipping away at one of our dominant fuel sources throughout the week and we're not fully recovering it if we're going out and constantly running in zone three. Um, so think about your, your anaerobic threshold is now where we cross over the threshold of you know going away from fat as fuel to dominant glycogen usage. So now your legs and body and heart and to keep all those processes moving requires a different fuel source. So you have to start using what's on board and that's glycogen. We can teach our bodies how to store more glycogen as fuel, but it is limited at some point 
um, by by what we have. Now we can take gels, we can take you know food in that's going to process quickly, and you know kind of exchange some of that uh, and use that as fuel. That's why we have to fuel for our long runs. I'm not going to talk about ketogenics, ketosis, or any of that today. We're going to take a pretty traditional training view on this just to avoid confusion. So what we'd look at is that your anaerobic threshold is uh, you know, an effort that you could maximally do for about an hour, maximum. Not as I spoke about earlier in terms of you know, going out and running at 60%, of your aerobic capacity. Uh, the reality is, is that this is you going out and maximally, I mean, this is on the edge of red line the whole time um, and, and really pushing yourself. Um, and this is, this is that, you know, absolute best effort. Um, and we can usually determine this um, and, you know, a pretty common field test would be a 5K run, uh, maybe a 20 minute time trial for someone that's a, a little bit more trained um, and then, you know, really it's about, you know, taking that and subtracting about 5% um, from your average heart rate speed. Um, you know, that's, that's what's going to be 5% less. We say there's a 5% loss over the next 40 minutes. Um, and no one wants to go out and do a maximal hour test. Um, a 20 minute test, trust me, is hard enough. Um, and this is kind of what we talk about as being our, our lactate threshold. Um, so let's take a let's take a breath here because uh, this is a lot to take in. The reality is is that we have an aerobic threshold, which is where we move into, you know, majority free fatty acid. Anaerobic threshold is by majority glycogen. Now beyond that, we have different energy systems. Um, you know, this is creatine phosphate. This gets really complicated. And by majority. My listeners, I know you guys aren't using those systems. You guys aren't sprinters. So we're not going to worry about that. The only thing I wanted to touch on here is that when we think about recovery, this is where I want you guys to understand that recoveries on intervals, these are the systems that we're trying to put back in place. Um, we're not going to go into anaerobic energy systems. We're just going to keep to these aerobic ones. Um, but by majority, when you are recovering, in between intervals, it's one, to get your heart rate back down, but also two, to allow your body to kind of reconfigure itself for the next, <laughs> the next interval and kind of reset um, and diminish the amount of lactate that's in your body. So when we think about standing intervals, what we're doing there is we're letting the heart beat and dissipate um, all of this lactate that's, that's built up in our muscles. Um, you know, what, what's really happening here is that when we go and we run really hard, we create an acidic environment of, of lactic acid, um, and that gets really, really high. That's why you can't sustain your 400-meter pace for 800 meters. You hit an acidic environment where your, your legs stop being able to you know, physically go through the process of firing um, because of the acidic environment there. It's at a cellular level. It's, it, it, be, it becomes... Um, very, very difficult. We can train through some of these things, but the reality is, is that we take those static rests early on in our training cycle so that we teach our body, body excuse me, how to buffer lactate, right? Buffering meaning diminish from a very high level down to a more manageable level. And the reason we do intervals is that's a, a, a cycling process 
that allows our body to to get better at this. And that's why we can move from static rest to you know non-static rest or continuous level of intervals um, at a, at a higher pace. It's how we 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 teach our body to do that. So, with that said, let's let's talk a little bit about the actual ideas of training. You guys now know aerobic threshold, anaerobic threshold, um, and really what I wanted to kind of talk about here is why do we actually have to do this idea of slowing down? What's the actual importance of doing this? Well, as I mentioned earlier, it becomes unsustainable. We can't go out and run moderately hard every day because we cheat ourselves either for our next workout or for our long run because we're going in in a suboptimal level, right? Where glycogen stores are partially down, um, which can really burn you up, you know, when it comes to a long run. If you've ever hit a long run and just been like, man, I got no gas pedal today. I just can't go any further. You just get that lightheaded kind of like bonk feeling. Either you underfueled coming into the workout or, you know, you're low on glycogen in your legs. You've had a tough training week. Um, and sometimes going into those workouts, the, you know, desired starting point is moderately glycogen depleted. And that's by design. But by majority, if you're training yourself, you're probably not designing that feature into your training. It's not, you know, something that you've been guided into. Uh, it's been a result of going out too hard too often. So for those of you, I'll encourage you guys to, you know, by majority, unless you have uh, know yourself as a, a low beater or high beater in terms of heart rate, a great place to be for your zone two is 130 to 140 beats per minute. That's a pace that you know you're going to go out for a flat, relatively easy run. We start to throw hills in, yeah, we're going to see outside of that range. But by majority, 130 to 140 is a great place. Now we're going to move into the anaerobic side and talk about those faster pace. And we talked about that 30, you know, um, that 30 beat range that's in there. Um, and one of our biggest goals is to be able to, um, you know, live in that range for a little longer, a little longer every week um, and every workout. And again, when you think about the race that you're preparing for, what are the physiological demands that are there? For a 5K, you want to be able to sustain 5K pace, right? That's, you know, probably for the most of my listeners here, inside 30 minutes, um, maybe even inside 20 minutes or 15 minutes or 16 minutes. Um, so that's a pretty fast pace, pretty high heart rate. We talk marathon. Yeah, now you don't have to be at such a high heart rate for as long. It's a moderate heart rate for a really long time. So that's what's going to define your workouts is the the demands of the race. So what are those? Um, and that's that's why you see different workouts and different training plans to leverage, you know, different physiological responses. So where does that kind of put us on the spectrum here? What are we actually trying to do with training? Well, think about it. If you're at eight minutes at 130 to 140 beats per minute, what does success look like? Well, success would be to move eight minutes at 135 beats per minute to 745 at 135 beats per minute. Well, how do we do that? Well, we kind of push the whole spectrum, if you can imagine. <clears throat> if you can imagine that there's a gap, right? There's two lines. Um, and if you pull the top 
of the spectrum. By the top, that bottom will hopefully come with it. Um, but that's, that means that we're doing the right workouts. But logically, if we're progressing our mileage, if we're progressing um, our amount of intensity at the upper levels, we increase efficiency. We increase our ability right, to run at that heart rate and pace. So doing those anaerobic, high aerobic VO2 max type workouts, that's what's going to push or pull, if you'd like to think about it, it's going to pull up our base pace. So I think the greatest um, you know, definition of training um, and success in training is when we see not an improvement as much in your threshold uh, heart rate or your threshold pace, but actually seeing that heart rate, um, that 135, let's call it, um, move from that eight minute pace to 745 to 730, because we know that on the top end of the spectrum that we've moved the needle, you know, considerably more. We went from, you know, a, a threshold pace of six minutes to 540 or 520. Um, and the more time we spend there, the more capacity we have to be able to live up in those top levels, um, the more benefit we, we tend to gain. So if you guys can follow me here, when I first started this conversation, I said this is a load capacity thing. If you've ever listened to uh, our podcast with Dr. Riley in terms of you know injuries and muscular development, um, you know, your body can only handle so much load uh, for a capacity that you've built. So think of it this way. You think of top-level marathoners, 205, 204, sub-two hours. There's an equal amount of mileage that has to be run by those athletes to maintain or to have the capacity to be able to do workouts large enough to move the needle on their fitness, to move them from 205 to 204. So we're talking, you know, for some of these professional level marathoners, 120 to 140 miles per week. Do you think they're running out in zone three? Absolutely not. There's just no room for that level of, of workout. They're doing a lot of mileage at a very low pace, and then they're doing a large volume of workout at a high pace, but they're able to go out and do where most people might only be able to get in three by a mile or four by a mile for a marathoner. They're doing eight to 10 by a mile. That's all capacity. That's all mileage. That's all the ability that they've built up over years and years of training. So if we apply the same logic of that early runner, well, why don't I just go out and do more intervals? Go ahead and try, uh, but what you'll find is that you're, you're going to break down. You're not going to be able to actually keep yourself in that heart rate zone without taking a massive amount of rest. And so this all goes back to the idea of you know, strategically building your capacity as an athlete. It may take you a number of years to move from 30 miles a week to 50 miles a week to 60 miles a week, but within that time, your body has tuned itself. These things take time. And that's the number one thing I want you guys to all walk away from this conversation is that none of this stuff happens overnight. You know, pushing your base pace, um, you know, and, and getting yourself up there 
we'll get pretty quick relative responses uh, from an initial amount of training. But to be able to really move this needle in a sustainable way, we have to go through a series of cycles. This is why we can't stay at the very top and train really, really hard for you know a really long time. We actually have to go through a process of detraining so then we can turn around and come back and continue to then go from 35 mile a week, that's where you maxed out, maxed out in your last training cycle. Great, let's move that to 38 miles a week, 40 miles a week. That's a sustainable improvement cycle to cycle. So all considered here, we've, we've talked about, you know, everything from, you know, glycolysis, you know, using glycogen as our fuel source at the top end, free fatty acid at the bottom end. We've talked about, you know, going and doing more runs at base pace. So what does that actually look like? And this is kind of where I, I will close down this conversation because I could talk for hours and hours and hours. And I don't want this to be a rambling, incoherent sentence. What I want you guys to understand is that if you're doing two workouts a week, ideally, you're going to get two days of training in between. So for example, if I'm setting up a week for any of my athletes that run between 35 and 40 miles a week, traditionally, if we're going to start with Monday, that's an easy run, maybe four to six miles. On Tuesday, I traditionally like to give them intervals. This could be hills. This could be track intervals. Um, you know, anywhere from, you know, say, you know, 12 by 400 or, you know, just as an example. Um, then Wednesday and Thursday, both of those days, we're going to be doing something strictly aerobic, meaning eight minutes, 135 beats. You guys got this by now. So that's Wednesday and Thursday. That means Wednesday, your legs might be a little beat up. We're going to go out and we're going to run easy. Going to keep that heart rate low. Same thing with Thursday. Sometimes Thursdays, I finish off workouts with strides. I've always kind of believed in an idea of doing something the day before a workout to mentally prep yourself for that, that next day. <coughs> so now we've landed on Friday. Um, and typically for my athletes that are doing two workouts a week, Fridays are gonna be another workout. This is usually a continuous type of workout, or it may be intervals, uh, depending on where they are in the spectrum. But this is a workout. This is a structured two-mile warm-up, main set, two-mile cool-down. And then this puts us into Saturday, which tends to be kind of a free day, a float day. But no matter what, it needs to be a recovery day. Uh, and the reason being is, what do we have usually on Sundays? Long run. It's okay if your long run fits on Saturday, but Ideally, you're going to fit this in on a Sunday because you get that Saturday recovery from a Friday workout. Um, you know, going from a workout directly into your long run, it's going to have you feeling beat up. It's going to be hard to kind of get in the mojo. Um, I especially like to do uh, any of uh, my specific endurance workouts, you know, race pace level efforts um, for athletes on Sundays. Um, and it typically, if we're going to do race pace on Sunday as part of a long run, that Friday workout's super easy. It's really light, um, and it's more of going through the motions um, so that we're not, you know, cheating into uh, ourselves for Sunday. We want those Sunday workouts to typically be, if they're at race pace level, these need to be confidence-boosting workouts. We want to feel fit, ready 
And that's where we're going to test nutrition and hydration and all those things, especially in the marathon. Um, and that's why we then go right back into the start of the week with another recovery day on Monday. So we're kind of going through this, these chunks of 36 to 48 hours of recovery. It allows our body to uh, you know, build back glycogen. It allows our body to go through muscular recovery. Um, and inside that, there's a whole slew of things to consider as far as how do we recover? You know, when do we need more sleep? When do we eat? You know, all those things. And we'll talk about that in future episodes where I sit down and talk solo and even bring in experts. But I wanted to take the time to kind of give you guys the full spectrum on what really is base training? What are the basics that need to be understood and why are schedules built the way they are? So with that said, I hope this was a helpful episode. I hope this kind of clears up some things. Um, and I would love to hear from you guys, uh, whether that's on our lifelong endurance athletes and coaches training page, or, you know, feel free to direct message me on Instagram. You can find me there at coach Simmons runs. Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk all about training and why it's important because there is no one right way to do this. There are tons of methodologies um, but it comes down usually to phrasing of workouts and when do we do what when. But if you take all of the workouts away, what it all comes down to is base training. You got to have the capacity to be able to get the response that you want. You want to run a faster marathon? Well, there you go. It all comes back down to base training. So I hope this episode was helpful. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, it would go a hugely long way if you stayed with me all the way through this. Go into Apple, give us a review, give me an honest review. Three stars, was this a three-star performance? Give me three stars. If this was five stars and you walked away learning something and this changed how you look at training, awesome. I want you to put it to use. All that said, those reviews, all of that, your listens, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, we're starting to see more and more of you guys listen, more and more of you are telling us how helpful and enjoyable this podcast is. So I hope this helps. I hope this breaks down training in a way that you guys can understand it. I know we've been here for a little bit, so I, uh, I hope this either fueled your run, uh, or, or gave you guys the opportunity, um, to learn something new. Uh, yeah, with that said, we'll catch you guys in a week.